Hello everyone, this is your host Ramakrishna from Usha Investment Group LLC. Welcome back to Multifamily AP360, the show where we discuss 360 degrees views on mindset, passive and active multifamily investing. For those who are looking for tips, strategies, best and challenging experiences. Also, I request you to share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Today's our guest is Omar Khan from Broadwalk Wealth Group. Welcome back, Omar. So you came to episode 17 and welcome back. Thank you, Rama. How are you? Anytime somebody who has a great name like Rama and Krishna calls me, I have to come to their podcast. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. And a little bit about Omar. Omar is responsible for capital raising, strategic planning and investor relations. He has over 10 years of global investment experience. He has participated in capital financing and MDA transactions valued at 3.7 billion. He's a CFA chartered holder and graduated with honors from, from the University of Toronto with BCom in finance. So with that, Omar, you want to add anything to your background? Nothing. I think you've done a great job. You know, what we're trying to do is uh, do good deals, make a lot of money for our investors, make a lot of money for our partners. And uh, so far, we've been able to do it. And I'm hoping we can continue it. Awesome. And congratulations on that. And uh, as recently, you guys went full cycle with a couple of deal, or a few deals. So would you share you know, what kind of lessons you have learned from different angles like underwriting, investor relations or capital raising or you know, asset management point of view or any other? You know, other look, we're, we're basically an operations focused or operations heavy company, right? So uh, look, the, the lessons are less to do with, say, the properties and more to do with, say, understanding okay, well, how to manage your teams better in terms of property managers, maintenance people, when to push on them, when not to push on them. So as an example, we, it was, I mean, even though we made a lot of money on this deal, in between, I had to change one of the on-site property managers. And I should have done that earlier. I should have done that maybe a week, week and a half, oh, I'm sorry, month, month and a half earlier. But I just wanted to give her more and more chances. And one of the things I learned is that you need to have hard cutoffs, as an example. And if people don't perform, you just have to gently and politely let them go. So, you know, when we, I, I just gave her more chances than I thought I should have given. But again, these are things you learn, right? Uh, how to pick the right teammates, how to make sure that the right people are in the right spot. A lot of the people that uh, were in our organization, not a lot, a few people actually, yeah. were the right people to have in the organization, they were just put in the wrong role, right? Yeah. So when we reorg, we still have basically all the same people, but we put the right people in the right roles, a lot of our progress started happening. We also started hiring a lot more, but we were very strict in how we hired from day one. So a lot of these are lessons you learn. And again, they, then, they, then they translate into how your properties perform, how your investor relations happen, how your company builds. But a lot of these are lessons taken from the fact on how to organize oneself better, right? And when you organize yourself better, you set the right expectations. Then all these other things we talk about, asset management, investor relations, operations, everything else falls into place. Yeah, yeah, totally agree on that. So especially like, no, uh, identifying the right team and putting them into right roles so definitely will, you know, be get better results. Yeah, totally. Yes. You know, so I, I saw like one article from your you know, website. So that is like underwriting in Google Bay. So would yeah. you share a little bit more about that and how are you applying that in current market situations? Look, it was to show a lot of our investors, you know, a lot of people think that you need to have uh, some sort of like, you know, like you need to spend a lot of money 
to learn even the basics, right? Or they'll go to some guru or they'll go to this thing and the guru will tell them, oh, if you just do my thing, that's the only way to learn, right? Yeah. And what I wanted to show people is, look, in this day and age, and there's, lo there's lots of free resources for you to get up to speed and learn. As an example, if you just want to be an investor, you don't have to go to majority of these gurus, right? Because yeah. all this information is available online. Look, we have other avenues like your podcast. Your podcast is a great way for people to hear from what other uh, experienced sponsors have done. How do they view and approach deals and learn from their examples? Right. So the reason why I did the Google thing is to show people that a number one information is most of this information is available for free, at least in for 90 percent of the information they need to make the decision. The other deal is it followed the same principles that we follow or rather I follow when I'm looking at deals, namely starting from demographics. Right. If your demographics make sense and they are in line with, say, the rents that you want to charge and your strategy then that makes a lot of sense. As an example, if you want to charge $2,000 in the ghetto, right, or in a really bad area, it's probably not going to work, right? So your Excel model can say, yeah, it's great, you should charge $2,000, but you have to look at the demographics to realize, hey, can the people even pay that much money that you're under, right? So mm -hmm. when you look at these things graphically, look, some people look at it numbers-wise, some people look at it graphically, but the point is to show it both in Excel as well as on Google Maps, which is a graphical uh, way of expressing this thing to show, hey, here's all this information. You get all this information for free. This is what you need to look at. Here's how you drill down and not only look at demographics, look at other retail, other office, other shopping around the area for you to get a better picture of the property without even underwriting, like without like taking out Excel and underwriting, right? So yeah. once you understand yeah. that, then you can decide, hey, do I even want to underwrite? Because as an example, in my earlier example, if, if somebody tells you, hey, we're going to raise rents to $2,000, and you look it up and the median income and the zip code is $10,000 and it's a war zone, right? Yep. You don't even have to underwrite the deal. You understand? Yep. Yep. That's what I agree on that. Yep. That's why. Sure, sure. Absolutely. So that's basically what it is. To show people you don't need to waste your time by just looking at a few key variables, you can quickly make decisions. Yeah, totally, totally agree on that. And uh, and what's, what's your take on current market situation, uh, Omar? Look, my take on current market situation, Rama, is the same as when the market was hot and the same when the market is cold, that you have to be prudent, you have to be conservative, right? So when the market is hot and everybody wants to do a deal, then maybe don't take so much leverage on your books. Right, because people might give you money, but you don't maybe want that money. But when the times are tough and everybody says, "Oh, I, I don't want to do a deal; it's so uncertain," that's exactly the time when you should be doing a deal because you know now that you can get things at a discount. Think about it this way, man: you go shopping, right? Yep. We all want to get a discount. We all want to get a deal, right? Like we don't go say shopping for shoes as an example, and we get fifty percent off, and we don't say, "Oh my God, Nike's giving us fifty percent off. Nike must be a." shit company right yeah. we say great 50 percent off and maybe it's just a one-day sale as an example right and we're lucky yeah buy the shoes right so i don't know why when it comes to investments people hear all this stuff on tv they hear this and that and they let all of that affect them because look man at the end of the day we live in america we're lucky to live in america it's a great country very rich so when these downturns come that's actually the chance for people like us to buy assets at a discount. Yeah, totally makes sense. And how do you see like an inflation or, you know, supply demand issue or, you know, 
uh, other other issues uh, from you know uh, acquisition point of view or investors point of view inflation is good for real real asset holders as an example right? yeah. number one so obviously we, you don't want too much of a good thing you don't want hyperinflation but net net inflation is good and the ability for us to do these things also is that at least in multifamily, we can reprice our um, unit. Like, so let's assume year one, you rent me a unit at $1,000, market goes up in 12 months when my lease gets expired, you can maybe offer me the unit at $1,100 and make $100 more next year, right? Yeah. So with inflation, we can keep pushing our rents up. And with regards to interest rates, then if interest rates go up, prices go down a lot of times, right? Yep. So. Yeah, there is one negative of rising interest rate costs, which sucks because you got to pay more money to the lender, but it's offset right now by the fact that your rents are keep going up, which is basically pointing to the supply demand issue. Like for instance, if you want to build workforce housing, because I'm a developer as well, if you want to build workforce housing, it's impossible to do it right now for like a 50, 70s, 60s vintage type deal, right? Where your rents are like a thousand dollars because you will never make money. So which means basically that class A, you will have a lot of class A. You just won't have a lot of class B and C. But in class B and C, the problem is that there is a lot of basically management issue. If you're not a good manager, it's not going to make the same amount of money for you. Do you understand? Yeah. So there's always negatives and positives. And all we have to realize is that, hey, what type of strategy are we running? What do we want to do? And then just go from there. Got it. Got it. So uh, and from lending point of view, uh, so how exactly you know you're going you're going with bridge loans or agency loans? I, I think earlier like you you're a little bit favored towards bridge loans, right? So how exactly? No, I, I have agency loans on my books. I have bridge loans on my books. I just basically go to the market. I mean, right now I have like a couple of deals with agencies, right? Yeah. So I'm actually refinancing another one deal for the second time, hopefully by the end of this year. Uh-huh. Right. So I don't really care. What I care is where is my cost of capital the least and what is the best match for basically my asset. Right. So if the best match is a bridge debt, I get bridge debt. If the best match is an agency debt, I get agency debt. For me, it doesn't really matter who gives me the money because, man, a dollar is a dollar. Right. It doesn't matter if you give it to me or somebody else gives it to me. Yeah, sure. Sure. Uh, and like no, from acquisition point of view, still you're targeting like B and C class properties or is it? No, I have A, Bs and Cs and new developments, man. Like for me, like I told you from the start, yeah. the purpose for me is to make money for our investors and for our partners. So I have, I'm a developer, I build a new deal. I own class A, I own class B, I own class C. For me, what matters is what price can I get something at? And is that price enough for me to make my returns? You understand? Yeah. And if it's class C, I'm fine with class C. It doesn't really matter to me. If it's class B, I'm fine with class B or A or new development. It's totally fine with me. All I really care about is how much money can we make from this deal. Got it. So, you know, current market. So uh-huh. is there any impact on, uh, you know, development side with higher interest rates and, you know, supply? Yeah, for new developments, you're going to have slightly higher interest rates. But the issue also is typically that people, when you get higher interest rates, a lot of developers stop developing. Right. Yeah. So what happens is there developers that can afford it and they keep developing. They have the benefit that in one or two years when they actually finish their development, they have no competition, basically. Right. Versus, for instance, in good times and everybody's developing. So when you're delivering your product, you also have another 50 people delivering their product at the same time. So your lease up can become challenging. Right. And in the case for developers that 
are prudent, that have enough cash on the books, that are conservative, when they basically develop through a recession, when they come out on the other end, typically, not always, typically they're able to basically have low competition, they're able to lease up quickly, and this way they're able to make a lot more money. But it requires taking a lot of short-term pain, which a lot of people don't want to take short-term pain, right? So, you yeah. know, there's different types of people and different types of strategies. Yep, yep, absolutely, correct. Uh, and so how do you see like multifamily on real estate uh, space next, I think, three to five years, Rama? Oh, Rama, if I had a crystal ball, man, I would be such a rich guy. You have no idea. Man. <laughs> 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 I don't have a crystal ball. Uh, so I have no opinions on these things. My only opinion is that, you know, we look at everything on a deal by deal basis, right? And yeah. if a deal makes sense, we do a deal. If a deal doesn't make sense, we don't do a deal. And we always have enough cash reserves on the book. We have enough liquidity. Rob is conservative going into the deal. So my, I mean, I don't have an opinion on where the world or where the market is going to be. Because frankly, if you asked me five years ago, would we have a global pandemic? I would have yeah. said no. So right. how much do I know, right? All I know is that I know how to run my business. I know how to keep what our investors are looking for. And we've been able to deliver for them in good and bad times. Got it, got it. Uh, and the other thing is like, no, uh, from how technology is going to impact, you know, multifamily space, a- any like thoughts around that? Well, look, I think, look, technology has always been involved in multifamily. Now, if you're saying in terms of development, how it will affect or in terms of managing how it will affect? Uh, from development point of view. So from a development point of view, look, as much as we like to say and pretend that, oh, technology is taking over the world, technology is slowly creeping into this area, but it's not like suddenly yeah. the process of laying a foundation has changed yeah. or the process of passing uh, your map, you know, your whatever, your plans through the zoning committee has changed. So technology always plays a part, but unless you're building some space age technological wonder of the world, a lot of the processes are still the same. Now it's very different on the management aspect of the game yeah. because on the management aspect of the game, a lot of the softwares and different things that we use help us actually dig deeper into the data and actually understand what is going on. So management-wise, it's a lot different than, say, the actual development-wise. Got it, got it. So like, you know, from technology's point of AI or 3D printing, you know? No, that, that's, uh, to, for us, I'm telling you, these are all hype. This is yeah. all hype uh-huh. on a commercial mass scale. This technology hasn't, hasn't proven itself on a mass scale. Now, it doesn't mean... 20 years from now, it's not going to be there, or 10 or whatever years from now, it's not going to be there. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is right now, a lot of this is just hype. Yeah. You can't do this on a commercial scale, basically. Got it. Got it. Sure. And would you share any like any challenging experiences in the last maybe 18 months or 24 months? Look, I mean, some of the challenging experiences are managing our team and managing our properties through COVID, especially when uh, you know there's an environment of no eviction. People know that they don't have to pay the rent. So obviously, while that is very challenging and obviously gives people a lot of sleepless nights, on the other aspect, it's allowed us to actually develop a more cohesive bond within our team, make sure we provide an even better service and quality and product offering to our residents because we're providing such a high quality of service and product to our investors, sorry, our residents. They are, they are then more inclined to pay us on time. So our delinquencies have not been as much of an issue as you know, you hear certain people talk about generally about the market. So the bad part was going through coronavirus, having say a lot of time where we thought, okay, well, there's no eviction and people don't pay rent. What are we gonna do? 
The positive aspect of that thing is that has brought the team together. We've actually put in more systems processes in place, and we've been able to deliver and over-deliver on our uh, commitments to our residents and our investors, which then means that when we provide a better product to our residents, they are happier with us, they stay with us longer, and most importantly, they pay the rent on time. Yeah, awesome. And would you also share any you know, best experiences in the last 18 to 12 months? Yeah, best experiences, man, making a boatload of money for our investors. <laughs> That's the best experience. <laughs> Doing deals, uh, overperforming, making a lot of money for our investors, making a lot of friends in the process. You know, when you make people millions of dollars, people like you, right? Yeah. So, and then most importantly, uh, getting to meet and interact with really intelligent people, right? Like yourself as an example. And you know, the great uh, summit that you put on the AP to 360 summit that you were so kind to invite me on. Learning from other people, understanding what they're doing because you can always learn from people, right? Somebody might do things a certain way. You listen to them, you're like, wow, this person's really intelligent. Here's how they did it, right? Then yeah. you go and implement it in your own life, in your own business. So a lot of those are the big wins also. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And what is your current forecast, Omar? Ah, I have no forecast, buddy. I'm trying to tell you. My forecast is that you continue to be conservative, continue to be prudent, and just look at every deal on a deal-by-deal -deal basis. So as an example, lots of groups right now are saying, oh, we're putting our pencils down. Okay, we haven't done that. I closed on a actually a deal like last week, right? I have a yeah. development coming up. We look at every deal on a deal by deal basis, right? Yeah. As opposed to, hey, pencils are down or pencils are up. Is that I feel is a very lazy way of looking at this thing, right? There's always deals. People are always making money. And all we have to do is show up for our investors, provide them the right opportunities so they can create generational wealth for themselves and their families. Got it. So which market is that, uh, Omar? We're all over the Southeast, Atlanta and surrounding markets, Carolina, the Alabama, Tennessee, Florida. I have an asset still in Texas and I have a couple of developments in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Okay, got it. Uh, and any of your personal habits that are helping you to be successful? Uh, right now, I have two young kids, two and four, right? They, go, they have to go to sleep at a certain time. They have to get up at a certain time. So, and then I have to pick them up from school or daycare at a certain time. So because they have such a tight, rigid schedule, therefore yeah. I have a tight, rigid schedule because I have to get everything done between certain times. So if you have, at least for me, I'm a slave to my calendar, right? If I have a good calendar, if I've organized it properly and my team is helping me, that really helps. Because if I couldn't look at my calendar and I couldn't plan according to my calendar, then I would never get anything done. Right, right. Awesome. And any recent books that uh, impacted your thinking process? Oh, not recent books. I mean, uh, I was reading this book called Rise of the Data Cloud. It's by the CEO of Snowflake, that cyber, that data cloud company. It's the, the guy's name is Frank Slootman, Rise of the Data Cloud. It's a pretty interesting book. And what else? Yeah, there was another book called, oh yeah, Joseph Campbell is an is a archaeologist. I guess he's an archaeologist. Uh, he has a book called Hero with a Thousand Faces. I should have read that book in college. I wrote a paper about it, apparently. Uh -huh. uh, but I didn't read that book in college. So now I'm going to go read that book. Or rather, I have started it and I'm so slow and I'm going to go through it. Got it. And how are you giving back to community, Omar? Well, uh, we donate a lot of our own personal time and money. and uh, But I can always do a better job. And, you know, I'm on these podcasts, which I like to feel is like giving back to the community. Right? You've got a big outreach. 
Yeah. So if people can learn and learn from my experiences, good or bad, and hopefully uh, become better, right? Then that's a good way, I yeah. feel. Yes, yes. And how can listeners can connect with you, Omar? Oh, you can go to our website, boardwalkwealth.com. There's an email opt-in form on the right side, I think. Just pick, put your name, email, how you found out about us, and uh, boom, you'll be added. You'll get an email, click on the link, you'll be added to our mailing list. Awesome. And thank you very much, Omar. Thank you for sharing your experiences and and lessons learned from uh, going full cycle a few days. Yeah, man, I told you, anybody who has a great name like Ramakrishna, two (laughs) great names, Rama and Krishna, okay? Somebody who... Anybody who calls me that, I have to show up to that. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to Multifamily AP360. Check out the show notes and grab the freebie on our website, ushacapital.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with those who might benefit and leave a rating and review. Follow me on my social media. Thanks for tuning in and I will see you next time.